Hey, Geeksters. This issue of GeekWatch 1 was recorded live at Con of the Cobb 2016, but stay tuned right after this for a special interview with author and game designer Sean Patrick Fannin. And without further ado, cue the music. Do not adjust your settings. Take your hands off the keys. Your search is over. These are the geeks you're looking for. You found Geek Watch One with Kylan and Ken. This is going to be quite a ride. That's a bad outfit. I love you. Me too, man. Hit me, hit me, my turn. Am I the meanest? Show now! Am I the prettiest? Show now! Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Show now! Well, who am I? Show now! The Shogun of Harlem. For what lies ahead, ready are you. We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch him this time. <laughs> Very hey. rarely do we leave that in there. Yeah, they did get him. It's a delayed reaction. Look at this. <laughs> hey, hey Geeksters. Geeksters. I'm Kylan. And I'm Ken. <laughs> you found Geek Watch 1. <laughs> Welcome back, Geeksters, to issue 49 of Geek Watch 1. 49? <laughs> hey, lost I mess it up all the time. You can so. pull it back in time. 79 of Geek Watch 1, live from Con on the Cob. Make some noise. We actually have a room full of people here. So, um, full being a relative term. Well, <laughs> well, the You're one thing up. that the live audience doesn't know yet is usually when we do a live show, holler out if you want to say something. You're part of the show, okay? <laughs> or you sit there and listen. Either way, we'll answer or we'll ignore. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so usually though, we start off with um, kind of. We know what we've been doing coming up to here, right? But how hard has it been actually getting ready for Con on the Cob this year? <laughs> I know you've had a lot of stuff you've been doing. Yeah, I, I had a lot going on. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it's, this particular one has been a struggle because Planner Fasciae decided when to show up. But I'm stubborn, and I'm here, and it's good. Okay. So, yeah. But at least we're more than halfway through. We are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're recording this on Saturday night. Um, we are the last panel of the night, aren't we? Nope. For panel? No, what's For on today? Today we're the last Yeah, we are. Okay, I lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an old lion again. Yeah. But we have, it's pretty much bringing, bringing the panels to a close, because tomorrow there's, there aren't as many. There are only a few. Yeah. And we, we had a, a hella full Friday where I don't think Kylan left this room. I did not. Somehow, <laughs> Kylan would... Now, we know Kylan does most of the actual physical scheduling for the panels. Right. But somehow, he scheduled himself I don't know five how I did hours that. in a row. I don't know how I did that. I really don't. He basically had all of the, the panels listed and then just slotted them in and forgot that he was on most of them because no one else volunteered. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I talked for like four. I ended up talking like for four hours straight and nobody showed up for the last one. That was fine. So I got something to eat and then I fell asleep. It was awesome. Well, we've had a lot of friends, podcasting friends even show up to this year's show. We did. We did. We got uh, Mark and Jim from the Tangibound Podcast and Tangibound Network were here. Yeah. We got um, Clint Thiel from um, Geek Dig came all the way from Chicago. And um, Seth from um, Geekville Podcast came over with Clint. They drove from Chicago to here. I, I, haven't, Dedication. Kid? I haven't seen Kent, uh, Clint. 
today. I I think he's finally. He may have actually took a nap. We took he him may to Lockview. actually be resting. Wait, wait. We took him to Lockview for lunch, mm-hmm. and I think he needed a nap afterwards. No, well, Lockview yeah. he was trying to get a job there. He, he gets the yeah. itis. He was actually, <laughs> he was actually checking to see if they were hiring. He's ready to move after going there and being with us and hanging out. He's ready to move. It was the pepperoni. Just wait until he finds Swenson's. Uh, yeah. It was, <laughs> what was the pepperoni? Yeah, the fried pepperoni is what I think we got him to start uh, with. Right. Uh, yeah, they'll do it. Deep fried pepperoni. Yeah. Amazing! Don't don't give us that look. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the lock view as a side or, or appetizer. It's a, an entire mound of deep fried pepperoni. And it is exactly what it says. They take a yeah. handful of pepperoni, toss it in the fryer, so then drain it, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like pepperoni chips. Yes, yes. it's awesome. Um, so, so we've been a little busy in other words. Exactly. Well, let's start Thursday. What what happened? What did we have Thursday? We didn't have much in the way of panels. We had a lot of setup. This this year we decided not to do panels on Thursday because last year when we were really first starting the panel tracks, there no one really showed up no. for them on Thursday, and we were just sitting in empty rooms just talking to each other. Right. Yeah. So uh, we decided to instead of having to spread the panels out over the course of from Thursday through Sunday, we just went Friday through Sunday. So. Thursday was uh, some setup in the morning. Well, Wednesday night was all the setup. Yeah, a lot of setup yeah, Wednesday, and, uh, and we still had a lot on, set, and, on Thursday and too. Thursday morning right. was trying to finish up the setup and uh, and just get things running. And, and then the the parties. Oh Thursday yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night's party was a brand new party for Con of the Cobb. We've never they, we actually did uh, welcome to the con meet and greet. Yes, which is awesome. And it replaced mm-hmm. the artsy fartsy artist soiree because there was a lot of people we noticed that weren't coming to that, not knowing what it was. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something you for the artists to come and check out. And it was really it was the meet and greet party. But this year we're changing it up. Andy was able to actually introduce some of the guests, introduce some of the staff, so people actually know who they're seeing when they walk around here. Um, now everybody here knows this, but every home the con the cop is not an origins or a Gen Con or even like a colossal con. Where you're at thousands of people, we got six to eight hundred, maybe a thousand people, and it. But it's small enough that you actually can get to recognize at least the faces of just about everybody here. True. If you've been here once, you start recognizing people right away. That's true. Which I, a lot of people I've talked to say that's why it's their favorite con. Mm-hmm. Is because it, it you feel you're part of the family if you come to this show. But that was the Thursday night party, and you feel comfortable getting drunk around people that you know. Yeah, I'm just being honest. <laughs> That's another one. I, I'm I'm, Cobb. And, and, and you know, being in a hotel, you're fine getting drunk around people you know. <laughs> See, and Con of the Cobb is an all-inclusive. All the parties, all the panels, all the games are free with your paid entrance. That's right. Which is in, different from a lot of the other cons. Mm-hmm. That's true. It really, I, like, if you're paying at the door, fifty bucks for four full days and um, three full nights of parties. That's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, um, and um and and you know there there was a lot going on on Friday too. That, that's when yeah. we had all the panels. Well, that's where we're going next. Why don't you guys talk about the panels a little bit? Uh, let's see. We had let's see. We've had we had a panel on. Well, we had we introduced a new ti- a new kind of panel this year uh, called the Geeksters Court uh, that featured me as a judge, Judge Kylan. That's just because you want to wear that dumb wig. You know what, Andy? Unfair and not Andy. Partial. Andy bought that wig. He says, I'm, "I want to do something called Geeksters Court, and you're going to be the judge. I bought you a wig and a gavel." And I'm like, "Okay, if you bought me a wig and a gavel, <laughs> no, see, who am I to say if no?" Andy says that you're always just okay. Okay, you know. So, <laughs> so I never thought that. I, I, and know, then I remembered I still had my graduation gown from law right, school, so, so he had a robe too. So I had a robe. Like I can honestly say. That I'm like right up there with Wapner, Judy, and uh, 
I don't know. We Joe. Had, Joe, we Brown. Had, we, Joe we, Brown. We, <laughs> Judge we Joe. got Judge Kylan F. N. Toll. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm fair and nice. Well, actually, I said fair and adorable. Fair and adorable. That, that's on that's yeah. on Facebook. I'm fair, fair and adorable. Nice. So we've already had we had the DC versus Marvel. We had and Star- actually, you want to know fair and unbiased? Mm-hmm. The first judge judge or um court session was DC versus Marvel, and everybody knows Kylan's bias on this one. He actually had to rule in favor of DC. I did. Which broke his heart. That was hard to do. <laughs> they almost made him get, remove his shield tattoo from his arm. That was hard to do, but uh, you, you, you gave the better argument. I think I would have done a better job, but that's okay. And that's why I didn't argue. We did Star, For- Star Wars versus Star Trek today, and I made sure I was not one of the judges. That, that's proof that lawyers. legal judgments are not justice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> today, Geeksters Court had Star Wars versus Star Trek. And you wanted me to argue for Star Wars, and <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly I think I may have actually destroyed the competition if I was a ju- lawyer on that one. <laughs> you you might have, and I'm like, I said I gave you the. No, I ended up no, being the witness want, instead. We want other people, and I'm like, okay, you know. So no. it's your own fault that Star Trek won. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm still kicking myself, and, but and hey. We, and we have one more to go, which is going to be tomorrow. That's a uh, Doctor Who versus Doctor. Strange, That's going to be a lot more interesting, interesting one to yeah. see who actually. Is able to well, Doctor Who is going to be an easy one for for a lot of people to actually argue. It was Doctor not, Strange well, is going to be a different. I think a lot more difficult. I, I don't think so. Depending think on who's I here, I could argue well, both. It's depending on who's here. Yeah, it depends on who's right. here. It becomes the lawyers. And to, to, I'm like you know because the thing is like you have to be able to find the similarities in both, which I see, and also I can see the differences in both. So you know, I can be I can be honestly. That's probably the one that I can actually be the most. Impartial. impartial on because yeah. Yeah. you know I just, I, I just I'm just fighting the urge say wrong wrong and like, <laughs> I, I can't say that that's not my place so well it is your court you can do whatever you want that's although <laughs> although you as the judge did um, object today I did because you because you because you're arguing you're arguing distance over a measure of distance over a measure of time right. you can't do well, they, that yeah they tried to the, one of the questions they asked they tried to ask me in a race. Who, which one would win? The what was it, the Millennium Falcon or the Enterprise? Because of the way the show, the way I was said it was that because of the way the shows measure time and space in a totally different fashion. There is no way to compare the two. No, because like warp is a measure of speed, okay, and and hyperspace is actually a measure of distance. Exactly. And so you, so you, you cannot compare them. Or just, I bet you anything you Google that, someone can argue it. And oh, yeah. They will be, they will be <laughs> they, wrong. There's a conversion chart somewhere. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they could be wrong. You want to know why? Because I'm a judge. <laughs> <laughs> but we've also of... had panels on writing. Yes. And um, various ways, like um, critiquing writing and how to write, like, well, we did the fight scene one and uh, creating characters, which Marcus did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've had some writing stuff, and they, they've been attended. Yes, and uh, <laughs> we uh, went to, um, this morning I attended the Comic Book, comic book Nostalgia panel with uh, Ed Gosney. Now, he's been at a couple of Odd Malls and he stuff. Ha- yes. He has one at the last Odd Mall. And, I haven't had a chance to sit down and with Kylan hadn't had a chance to see it. I watched it last time. I, was, okay. I sat in on it, so I told Kylan he had to sit on it this time. You, I, I tell it. I will tell everyone uh, if he next. I, I don't know if he's going to be at the next Odd Mall, but we'll it, find out. We'll find. We'll find out. But if you're at an Odd Mall, or if you're at 
the next con on Cobb or if he or wherever show you're at and he's doing that panel, take the opportunity. It it was such if you're a comic book fan, it's a it's a great panel. It really is kind of how he got into comics and and um and there it's audience participation. He wants to know people's stories about um how they're nostalgic over uh comics. I didn't touch anything. What? That was next door. Was that? It yeah. sounded like yeah. came over the speakers. No, that's a- <laughs> and, and, and you get to score free comics after. So, oh, nice. Yeah, he does. If, if you participate and kind of give your own little story and stuff, he gives you free comics. Nice. So you know, <laughs> it's not nothing like bribery at a at a geek yes. con. Um, and we had earlier, just before the show, we we had our friend John from uh, from Ohio Black Sheep Paranormal on our panel of uh, go- real ghost hunting. Uh, so, and some of you know that Kylan and I run. Uh, Ohio Pirates, the paranormal team as well. So we, we talked about ghost hunting and how to do it and some of our experiences and stuff like that. So that was fun. Okay. And um, the other one yeah, was so we actually had a, had a of... new one this year, new versions of panels this year. We're yes. doing an actual podcast track. Yes. And we only did one day. We only had three panels for it, right? Right. But it was right. actually pretty well attended. We had a couple of people that actually were interested in getting their own show. Um, so they came and checked out. We're taking lots of notes. Right. Uh, the first one we had was actually just podcasting one on one. How do you start a show? That's just how do you start it and get it up on the web? We actually had Mark and um, and Clint and Adam from Dice Squad was with us mm-hmm. since he does a totally different type of show than we any of us. Right. And basically, we gave an hour on just from concept to having it on the show on the net. Right. So um, and then we moved on to the marketing, right? Right. Marketing, which is more Miss Dawn's um, field of where we were at. Yeah, and we, we talked about how to basically get it out there and get people to listen to you and know your name and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then later on, we had monetizing. Yeah, and Mark came out and told you how some of the ways you can actually you can earn money at a podcast if you want to put in the extra work. Mm-hmm. If you want to leave a your lot own of, job and dedicate your life to yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot of work. You can actually make podcasting a job. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, and a lot of beating the ground and um, working through the internet and getting people to listen and click on your links and all of that type of thing. That's right. But it is possible. <laughs> As Andy walks in and walks out with his walkie-talkie. <laughs> I'm very loud. <laughs> That's why we turned ours off. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, um, but then last night was the main event. For us, anyway. Yes. That's right. We had the Geek Watch One party across time and space, That's wasn't right. it? That's so right. we actually um, did it in memory of Rick Shantieri, gave him his final send-off. Miss Vicky had some phenomenal drinks. Everybody was raving about them all night. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the Brownie Bake Off, which Mr. Andy Hop won, by the way. Okay. But let's just point out, there were five brownies entered in the Bake Off. Andy baked four of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but each one was different. It's not, it's not like, he, you know, they were all the same brownie. But um, as usual, he, he provided one that was extra spicy. Uh, it had like sriracha and black pepper or something. Oh yeah. Well, uh, then he had two because I heard the one one. one and one had yeah, yeah jalapeno, jalapeno lemon one. Jalapeno lemon. Yeah. So but because he didn't overdo it on the spice. No. He yeah. Did, uh, oh yeah. The, the sriracha. Oh god. Well, I remember last year's and the way some of those brownies were. That I'm like, you know what? I didn't even try any of the brownies this year. <laughs> That's right. We 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 let the the, the audience uh, vote for uh, who was winning this year. So. That's right. Yeah, so, there, there was no way. I was like, I, you know, I think last year we kept, we, we were pushing the brownie, pushing the brownie thing, and all the brownies came, and we're like, I, I, yeah, we didn't I, have quite as many entries as last year, but 
There was still plenty to There's go. Still plenty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> there was plenty to be And had. afterwards, we made sure that everybody knows there will be a third annual one mm-hmm. next year at Con on the Cob. So everybody knows now and can start working on your recipes now. <laughs> Um, and we will inform you a little earlier next year that we are doing it again. It'll be B-cubed. That's right. But, so <laughs> it's going to be bigger, brownier, batter. Batter with tea or ba- ba- Batter with <laughs> Your choice. Your choice. Battier. Battier. Bigger, browner, and battier. Bigger, brownier, and battier. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> what are we actually going to talk about today? <laughs> Do we have any news of anything that happened this week that you paid attention? I, I was just flipping through the news. There wasn't a whole lot that popped up for me. There was not a whole lot. Um, we did have the uh, death of actor Robert Vaughn, who uh, was uh, a bit of a, a geek icon for uh, for the Prisoner. Prisoner and uh, also... Who does it mean um, to get more? <laughs> ads. You gotta love ads. Uh, the Prisoner and also... Okay. Uh, uh, Man from Uncle, Man from and Uncle. also in the last season of the Eighteen, he was like he he was like a general that was basically using them as his special ops yep. unit, which the show really should have ended the season before at that point, but that's okay. And I did see that uh, they've announced the the TV series Cloak and Dagger. Okay, um, then we know what's coming based on the comic from Marvel is supposed to be hitting in twenty eighteen. Really? Yes. What? They're putting another year out? Another year out, yeah. It's a don't, I don't. I'm a, well, it's going to yeah, take them five okay. years to develop this okay. thing. Okay, first of all, it's going on the former ABC family, because it's got a stupid new name that I refuse to say, <laughs> and um, which means it's going to be a teen show anyway, so I don't care that it's another year out. Well, the way and I look at that, though, wait a minute, wait, the way I look at Freeform is they're in a position where the CW was ten years ago, and look where they're at now. Right, but because yeah, CW, see, it was all kids teen shows still not to providing start with. Any no, but see, here's the thing, and that, this, this is my take on it. See, Cloak and Dagger is they're two awesome characters, deep story, and it's going to get boiled down to some just really basic Romeo and Juliet teen drama. Yeah, so yeah, and, and there's so much form. more to those is. characters. And we talk about them on Mighty Marvel Geeks. We talk about this as little as possible because we all get upset. And I'm gonna stop talking about it right now. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that actually surprises us. There is a chance. I, mean, I, would, I, would, I would love for it, but I don't well, see you know, it happening. I was hoping Supergirl would surprise us, and that yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> so, see, I'm some of us like Supergirl, you know, Yeah, but you like the light stuff, Ken. Yeah, I know this. Not light. I like heroes. <laughs> well, I like heroes. And they, my heroes don't have to be dark. You're, my you're, hero, you're Luke Cage is not dark. I'm a boy scout. That's Luke the way it works. Luke Cage is not dark. <laughs> no. no is Luke Cage wait, 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 wait. Well, okay, okay, okay. okay. Well, you, know what, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> but see, it's okay that Cloak and Daggers for another year because we've got how many coming out on Netflix next year? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know. So it's all good so, in the hood, as they say. Punisher well, and. Defenders, and defenders, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Iron Fist. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we're good for next year. Um, but I just remembered there's something huge that did happen this week, mm-hmm. and this is one that I want to tell all the geeks out there in the whole universe. Um, congratulations, because of you, Young Justice is coming back for season three. Warner Brothers That's announced right. this. It's not Netflix that announced this. No, no distributors did. Warner Brothers is making a season three of Young Justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now this is directly because DC Comics is listening to their fans finally. Warner Brothers is listening to people, looking at the download, everything we said, what, six months ago. 
You have to you have to download and uh, or not download, but watch the show a little at a time as this goes, or watch the show once a week. What um, buy the DVDs, talk about it on social media and hashtag it. Well, guess what? It worked. Warner Brothers, which is known for years, uh, everybody knows that Warner Brothers doesn't listen to anybody. They do what they want to do. Well, it sounds like they finally listened to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hit them in the pocketbook, and they said, "Okay, maybe we can make some more money on they, this." They finally got enough flack for what they've done with Teen Titans Go. Yeah, that they're bringing oh, back. Well, just- uh, according to Andy, it's actually—I've not had the chance to watch it. We've not watched it because we don't have the cable, and it's that—that that one's not on Netflix or anywhere else for some mm-hmm. reason. But um, no, according reason. to Andy, there are some decent stories in there. It's just you got to find them. There are there are very few and far between. It's kind of like a ten percent rate. Okay, and, it's kind of, it's but kind of, it's wait, funny. Is this the one where Robin the ones, the dog? Yeah. the ones that are decent actually have lessons. Like there's there's financial ones that tell you like how like, to like invest. You, you actually learn <laughs> you learn how to build equity. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, there's there's one that warns you off of pyramid schemes. Yes, <laughs> and there's a song involved in everything. Wow, <laughs> but so, there are a few actual these, but it's like like I said, ten percent. You got to sit through some really stupid episodes in order to find those. Yeah, yeah. it's basically if you took the original Teen Titans, which was an amazing show, I thought it was a fantastic mm-hmm. show, and then took that show and translated it for three year olds. Well, yeah, or no, closer to five. Yeah, you put it you put it through yeah. the SpongeBob filter is what they did. Yeah. So, like I said, there's some fun stuff, and the characters are still kind of there, but it's the um, SpongeBob version of the yeah. um, television Teen Titans, not the actual Teen Titans. Right. Right. So, um, but no, Young Justice is coming back. We don't know any of the details, except they just put some of the um, stuff of what the young, old Young Justice did. We do know the original producers, Greg Weissman and Brandon v- um, Vietti, are scheduled to come back to do season three. So it's the same people that were writing the original one, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing. And they actually have a website on here if you go to yjs3.com. And I went there, and all it is is um, a place where you can put in your email address for news of what's coming. But at least they have the channel Don't ready. do it. Or the, see, see, now that ready. they've done that, now they're going to get more downloads and more sales exactly. out of it. That's right. why they've announced well, it now. Well, we know Warner Brothers doesn't do anything without marketing in, in there somewhere. Yeah. So, well, that, that's why they make me- everybody makes media. War- Marvel and DC, if they weren't getting paid, they weren't making comic books. That's the way it works. That's right. So, um, that's Young Justice Season 3. As soon as we get more info, we will let you guys know more. Um, what, is there any other big news that we know about for this year? Or not for this year, but for, today, for this <laughs> yeah, week? Yeah, this year's over. Oh. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it. We, we built up to Connell Cobb for a year, so it feels like the year's over. That's right. That's you right. skip Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we've gone really fast through what we have so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, actually, I do want to point out that, um... Sometime soon, we are going to, uh, I'm going to do a short review on the show about a book that's just coming out called Doctor Who, The American Adventures. Okay. Um, It's new stories with the 12th Doctor, and I was able to get a review copy of it. So I'm going to go through that and then uh, let you know what what it's like Mm -hmm. and how it's going. (laughs) Because I use, like, I've read, I've read, um, like, Torchwood novels. And so I'm going to kind of compare it to the feel of Torchwood novels because they worked well with reflecting what was the show was, um, like the atmosphere and the characters and that. So I'm going to see how well it works with Doctor Who and if it actually feels like it. Okay. But it's a, it's a new set of short stories called Doctor Who: The American Adventures. Okay. That's when I get dead air. I'm trying to. <laughs> I had an idea. You had an idea. While you were dead. yes, it's not that big of a surprise. I had an idea, <laughs> but um, then it went away. Actually, no, the idea I had was um, 
we've only been going for about 20 minutes or so. We've got a lot of new people in the crowd here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's let them um, talk a little bit. Why? Because we like to talk to people. Why do you think we do a live show? I, I, don't, think, I don't think they came here. We to... do a live show because you like doing a live show. Yeah, That's I, well, the I think they came show. here to see us talk. Wait, I thought everybody liked milkshakes. Yeah, well, yeah, we do live show for milkshakes. That's true. There's yeah. That. Go to the mall um, people for the milkshakes. Don't worry if yes. we're there or not. So, um, no, did anybody have any questions about Geek or anything that's happening in Geek News or anything right now? All right, two questions. Okay, okay hang right. on a second. Let me just speak up. Uh, first of all, the Doctor Who thing you're talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Still produced by the BBC? Yep. Yes. Oh, so probably pretty good. <laughs> um, my second question is, and I have to kind of roll it back a little bit, but were you guys trash talking SpongeBob? No, 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 no. We weren't actually trash talking him. It's more like the intellectual level of SpongeBob. Because I will watch SpongeBob. SpongeBob appeals to children and adults. Yeah. It's not that it doesn't have the appeal. It's not even. It's not actually something you have to think about when you watch it. Which is basically like yeah, you can. Well, a lot of people who smoke things do think about it while they watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But not just people who smoke things. Let me clarify that. But there's no like, there's no big messages in SpongeBob, and there's no high drama, and it's you know, which is what they've done with Teen Titans Go. It's actually it is designed as a children's program, even though we know all of us being geeks that children's program are not just for children. Yeah, right. We enjoy it as much as they do. What? Yeah, we do have a child in the audience too. Okay. <laughs> oh, what were you saying? You have a question. And oh, you're I know. We're it. finishing this one first. You're ignoring it. <laughs> so I can ignore him all the time. He's on the show. Yeah, anyway. he's Vernon. I get him on the show. <laughs> yes, Vernon and Bart are joining us here. Everybody knows them. So, Vernon, what do you got there? Uh, do you guys cover anything about uh, X Men being renewed for Fox for a reboot? No, I didn't okay. hear anything about that. I'd heard about that, and first of all, I'm I'm kind of torn because. Um, I don't like what they've done with X-Men recently anyway. So, <laughs> exactly. So what, they decided they're going to um, actually, after um, Apocalypse, they're just going to Well, basically, because of, well, because of what's going on with um, Logan being the last Hugh Jackman movie um, and needing a new Wolverine anyway and whether they're going to go with X-23 as the Wolverine or what they're going to do, but they announced they're going to have, a, they want to do a reboot. They haven't confirmed a reboot. But they want to do a reboot. You know what? I, I, I think them... they're just throwing it out you know there what? to get all the reactions. Here's, here's the thing. I'm going to say it. They're missing an opportunity. They don't need to reboot the entire... You don't need to reboot the series. You got a wealth of story with the new mutants. I'm just saying. No, 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 no. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm calling it now. And I called it a year ago what? when we watched Deadpool. Ritual. Well, yeah, well. But this is... Marvel has been talking to Fox. I guarantee that. They're talking reboot for X-Men. What do you see with an X-Men reboot working with Marvel? No, no, no. No, no, no. no, 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 no. no. Not putting them fully in the market. But not, the chance, there's the chance that they're finally going to do this right. They've already been talking. We already know they've been talking with Fox and Marvel because the show Legion is happening. Yes. That is a co-production of exactly. Marvel and Fox. And it's tied directly to the X-Men movie universe. Mm-hmm. So that's so. the basis for them coming up with a new line of X Men. So we're actually just going to get because if you don't know what Legion is, okay. it's happening in I think it might be February. It starts. Mm-hmm. Um, Legion is the name of a character who was in X Men and New Mutants, and he's actually Charles Xavier's son. Um, he has he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but it's not actually schizophrenia. He absorbs other 
um, other personalities, and each personality has a different mutant ability. So whichever personality is in charge at the time, that's the ability he has. Um, telekinesis, telepathy, pyrokinesis, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's what the show is going to follow. But it's the only the, the I think the second co-production of Fox and Marvel, and the fact that it ties into X Men, mm-hmm. I think is part of the basis for them Which, wanting to do a. Like I said, when we saw the when we saw, and everybody knows that was a helicarrier in Deadpool. Right. Yeah. yeah. I said that then that um, I think Marvel and. Um, X, or Marvel and Fox have probably had, looks like they've been talking that they were allowed to use a helicarrier in there. So, to be fair, that was an old hel- helicarrier. But it's still a helicarrier. It doesn't matter. It's still a helicarrier. Either that but or it's they're not wor- related to Deadpool at all. Like no. the, Their yeah. talks are not going to be related to Deadpool at all because they've actually... The other thing they've done is with Deadpool, they've already come out with the basis for the third movie without even <laughs> getting into production for the second yet. They're talking about the third Deadpool movie will have X-Force in it. That's okay. the reason why I'm thinking that if they're talking about a reboot, they, I, I see them doing New Mutants instead of rehashing. I mean, know, with, in, uh, in the last in, in the last X Men, I mean, we saw we saw the baby X Men. Yeah, and we don't need you know you had your young Jean Grey and your young everybody. And yeah, you yeah. know I'm thinking. Yeah, they've already done a reboot <laughs> as part of the series. That's not- so they kind of rebooted it as in Apocalypse in a way. So it's kind of like, what are you gonna? Do. Well, that's what I thought. So it was like a third reboot. Yeah, another but reboot. The problem is because Gene, Gene pointed out the third in a series and it is always the worst. Does that mean the third reboot is always the worst? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you it's go. Possible. You never know what you're gonna get. I think they're just trying to fix everything by doing the reboot. And that's that's a problem. I mean, stop going. It's like when they kept doing all the Hulk movies. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they were not getting better. <laughs> well, we found that out with Spider-Man, and look what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Why they did it with... Um, now, I did like Incredible Hulk, though, though, to be like fair. The, the yeah, one. but it was okay. It wasn't a it wasn't a huge yay, it's awesome. It was more just of an it's okay. Worse. Yeah. Well, they, Vicky actually has to point out that um, Fox already did try, try to reboot. When they took Fantastic Four, which was okay. At the beginning, where they started with Fantastic Four was okay. Mm-hmm. Where they started. And it went downhill. Yeah. Okay. Because but then you re- they rebooted it, and they, they didn't go anywhere near where they were where they even started at the, the first one. That's because Stanley wasn't there. I don't know. There, that that's kind of fallen Stanley off the radar at this there. point. Mm-hmm. What? And, yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> you know what? And, no. and the funny thing is, they're the talk about you know having Marvel and Fox talking over X Men, and it's like they've dropped the Fantastic Four talk for now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like now. Well, we that's where I'm thinking that, that you know that may be the other one. We may be getting the X Men um, the Legion TV series because. It, um, four, Fantastic Four maybe going back to Marvel. Possibly. There's your they d- made a deal. And if that's the case, that's the type of thing that happens all the time. Silver Surfer, that's what, yeah. and Infinity War, yeah. Thanos. As a, wait, wait, that's Silver what? Surfer as a surprise character that you don't even see until the movie drops. And that might be what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They should have done that with Spider-Man because that's that's did. the thing. Yeah. There are characters from Fantastic Four that Fox owns the 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 rights to, not just the main four. But kind of that whole universe, they own the rights to it. Like, even Doom. That's why he can't show up places in, in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Doom, the scrolls. But they're involved in mm-hmm. the Infinity War, and they would really like them in it. <laughs> yes. So. And, and see, the thing is, because now, like, Johnny Storm is considered an inhuman, yep. but the character of Johnny Storm belongs with Fox, but we're still <laughs> now, we're now looking again at an inhuman's movie. 
Yeah, they've talked about for the next phase. They're they're back. It's back on the table. So okay. and Johnny Storm figures heavily with the Inhumans. Well, towns. he's married to the Queen. So <laughs> so that that's another reason why they may be talking so they can have. So they can have Johnny Storm, and maybe they're like, "You guys suck at making a Fantastic Four movie. Let us help you. We know how to fix." But Fox this. is that stubborn kid who won't give up his toys, and it's just like, "No, it's mine. I don't care if I don't play with it anymore. It's mine." <laughs> exactly. They won't give it up. No. <laughs> That's right. You know what's yours, right? <laughs> We gotta start them young. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that, I'm like, you know, the, the kids play with Marvel. No, I'm just, that's, and he even knows, how old is the future's the bright? The future's bright. How old is he? He's three, and he knows his action figure's Venom. I mean, come on. Well, and he, and he knows Marvel's better. Oh, <laughs> I know. Playing he with knows Marvel. I'll always go and your there. co-host is wearing Marvel, Marvel everything. <laughs> just saying. You know, I may have to find a new co-host for DC Super <laughs> Comics. But I have the DC Comics with me in my bag. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. Think about it. Well, hey, there's room for everybody. That's right. Well, we said that during the Geeksters Court. We ha- there's there's no actual hate here. We everything we do is jesting and jab. We have love for all of it, all of it. That's right. I love Marvel DC. I love Star Trek Star Wars. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to um, do as a lawyer for one of the two on Star Trek Star Wars. Because it's like, dude, I like them both as much, just as much. But There's you're no not arguing against one. You're arguing for you. You're not arguing against. You're arguing for. It's a difference. Sometimes. Yeah, but you have to say some negative things about the other. No, it's a difference no. between an assassin and a bodyguard. You either, oh, as an assassin, you're taking life. Oh my god, I almost. <laughs> hey, Brian. As he talks about an assassin, <laughs> Negan walks into the room. <laughs> as an assassin, you're taking you're taking life. As a bodyguard, you're protecting life. There's a same skill set. But different applications. I'm just saying. That's okay. Right. <laughs> I went there. So, did anybody else have a topic we want to cover on uh, today? What about the mermaid? Oh, you guys didn't see. Hopefully, she's still out there. There's actually a mermaid in the pool here yeah. at Con of the Cobb. That's true. Someone and if you're not at Con of the Cobb, you don't get to see these things. But if you know about mermaids, don't go near her. Well, no, 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 <laughs> hey, don't do that. There is a there's a fence around the pool. Oh, see, there you go. Just watch from a distance. But it's fine. funny because all the gamers are sitting right beside the pool, too, playing their games. Well, it's appropriate because they're ignoring the women. Oh. <gasps> oh. Yeah, but can this be trusted? Negan just gave us chocolate. Beware Negan's giving gifts. <laughs> yeah, Negan, Negan walked in the room, and I'm just like... What's the payment? I mean... Half. <laughs> 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 Well, actually, we're getting close. Speaking of, okay, I know you guys don't watch it, but Kylan and I do watch The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, anyone else? I've been hearing it. And again, anyone else watch The Walking Dead? Okay. Um, so, yeah. Negan showed up at the very, very, very end of last season, and he has he has made his presence known in a big way. Mm-hmm. And, and um, this is not a spoiler, because if it is, then obviously you don't have the internet. Um, he um, thankfully killed Glenn. In the, uh, I wasn't for this, okay? <laughs> opener. Um, I, I called it, okay, I called it at the end of last season that he was going to kill Abraham. I don't know why, I just knew it was going to be Abraham. Um, and that was the first kill. And then shortly thereafter, Glenn went down too. Shortly. And, <laughs> and um, I just, the reason I'm bringing it up is not just because of the show and stuff, but 
I think they did such an awesome job for people who are fans of the comics of following scene for scene, cut for cut, from mm-hmm. the panels of the comic yeah. to the, the screen. If there's there's a couple of websites out there that have a shot for shot comparison. They did such an amazing job. And I know after the fact, I was hearing from like coworkers who just watched the show and stuff going, did they have to show his eyeball popping out? And I'm like, yes, it's in the comic. Yes, they did have to show his eyeball popping out. You know? well, there's, there's a reason that show has a mature tag and is on at what? Either 9 or 10 o'clock yeah, in the evening. Yeah. There's a reason. But, there, there was bloody messes on the ground when, but, when this was done. But, <laughs> but see, that, that's, that, that, that scene was like on the same level of quality as... Sin City, because when they when they filmed Sin City, they they wanted it to be so that like while you're fil- filming it, so you can like stop, and there's a scene that will match, just like you know the mm-hmm. panel in the comic, and I think this may have been the first time that you actually see something like that on the on, on the small screen, with with uh yeah the death of well of the I mean they they had they've had similar things with the Marvel Netflix shows. Especially in the first season of Daredevil, there yes. were a lot of scenes from um, the what was the was it Fear Man Without Fear Man Without Fear. Um, there were some scenes in the show that came directly from Man Without Fear. You because shortly before the show aired, Kylan gave me the comics to read <laughs> just as just as background, and so I'd read them all and was watching the show, and I kept going. Wait, that that's exactly what's in the comic. Yeah, that's, that's an exact scene. And when when Stick was talking to the other guy, and there's a scene where that you just see the shadows. That is the entire panel that was in the mm-hmm. comic. So it's just kind of awesome for those of us who kind of do the comic to screen sort of thing and follow along. That they they make an effort. They know the fans are out there and they want us to see these things. And the funny thing is, is that that comic actually uh, it will actually no the Hulk. The Hulk Daredevil movie from like the late eighties influenced that book, um, and um, that because in the then that show like they sucked at doing costumes and they just put Daredevil in this black leotard, and so then when <laughs> Frank Miller was writing the series, you know he's sort of like this is sort of like a year one kind of thing, and so he just put him in like black sweats. And like a black bandana, and so it was kind of funny because TV influenced the comic, but then the comic influenced <laughs> the TV series. That's right. And so it was, and there were there were several instances where it was from comic to from page to screen, mm-hmm. and so and like with Negan, I just like, and they've done the same with the with. The look of Ezekiel as he came yes, in, yes, right from the page. He he follows through with, of course, his tiger and yeah, everything too. Tiger. But you had something else you want to um, say? Since we're on Netflix, um, do you think it was good that they showed Doctor Strange in theaters first before Iron Fist comes to uh, Netflix? Yes, yes. The magic element. Uh, yeah, they they needed to see. The thing is, they they've been they were teasing it in. Um, they were teasing it in Daredevil a little bit. Yeah, they teased it and. They also teased it in Ant Man, you know. So, so you you got teasing on the small screen and the big screen, and it was nice that they weren't like they they weren't dilly dallying with it. They just dropped you. I think it was it was important that it was in Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is all magic. Iron Fist is mystical but not magic. Right. 
So right. it, it does have a difference, but I think having it on the big screen in Doctor Strange let you see the expanse of what they can do. That yeah. you know, and, and they're only going to have a small portion of that with Iron Fist on the screen. With you know, with having she, cause, having the because his is the chi abilities. We know, also so. have um, the problem. You're gonna the it's not gonna be a problem. But the major difference you're going to have with Iron Fist on the screen is budget. You're okay. on a television budget. I mean, we've seen with CW and with ABC, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can do superpowers on TV convincingly. Mm-hmm. I think the most uh, graphics they'll put in there is probably just his fist. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's for the most part what, what it, he does, really. I mean, they'll, they'll show some of the mystical stuff, perhaps, but not looking like the magic right. that you had in, in Doctor Strange. and But the thing is, though, you've got a Netflix budget. It's not just mm-hmm. a television budget. Yeah. And, I mean, so, Marvel has proven itself over four series. But if you, so. look at, if you look at the Marvel shows, they don't have a lot of extreme effects mm-hmm. that you need in that yeah. way anyway. Like, like, they do a really good job of, like with Daredevil, of um, portraying his heightened senses. You, you, yeah. you pick it up from the reaction of other people. Uh, but now with I like the thing is with Iron Fist, you have I th- the the only there's two instances where I think you'll you'll see the whole more mystic aspect of it. One will be of course the Iron Fist itself. The second will be like in his ba- his battle with Shao Lu, which is the dragon that he fights to get the Iron Fist ability from. Which I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. But um, but that'll be more because of CGI, and I think we we've gotten to the point where dragons don't have to look as cartoonish as they used to. So I think it's gonna be cool to see that. Well, if you look at like the Lord of the Rings kind of stuff, right? There were dragons that didn't look cartoonish. No, they didn't. So, <laughs> well, I actually just found one more thing that's actually gonna be um, actually works for the cr- for the crowd here at um, Con of the Cobb. It was uh, this article's from the 11th, which is yesterday. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. This year, um, the Toy Hall of Fame is inducting three new members to their exclusive club, which includes Dungeons and Dragons. This year, you get Dungeons and Dragons being in, in, added to the Toy Hall of Fame, cool. along with the swing, which uh, is just the swing on a rope, the swing. <laughs> and <laughs> the Fisher Price Little People. But Dungeons and Dragons is being added to the Toy Hall of Fame. That's that's awesome for a, for a game how, that's how, had such a storied tradition. How is it be like? Does, does the Toy Hall of Fame include games? With, no, I think that are they talking about the action or? figures? No, it just says dun- the game. It's the oh, game okay. Dungeons so and Dragons. Include, well, I guess if they include board games and stuff like that, they yeah. include RPG. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, okay. And if I remember right, from listening, like you saw here, the Swing, Fisher Price, Little People, they the Toy Hall of Fame actually is a broad ranging. And includes anything that's a kid's toy. Okay. Uh, like, so I'm assuming the swing here is actually just the, the swing. thing on a chain. It's like the invention of the, the seat on a chain. <laughs> so I've heard of some of the other stuff that's been added before. The seesaw. <laughs> that was last year. Wow. Yeah, if anybody didn't hear that, he said the stick in a box is actually uh, in the Toy Hall of Fame also. But, um,. The hoop and stick. It's supposed to be a big stick. thing with kids in like the 1800s or something. Stick in a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. For Christmas. To to, what did you get for Christmas? I got a stick in a box. Well, this is one that... They said already right now, um, already in the Hall of Fame, you have stuff like jigsaw puzzles. 
Uh, G.I. Joe, the Atari 2600 is in there. Better be. Um, this is just some of the other things. Lego's already been put in there. Right. Hot Wheels have been put in there. Le- Candyland. So this is actually Dungeons and Dragons for a small niche market to start with. And it took a long time to get to where it is now, where it's oh, just about hit mainstream. Or what you could call mainstream. Um, they've done pretty good that they're re- put in there with the likes of like a Hot Wheels and a Lego. That's all because of the. Yeah. Of the that's all because. Yeah. 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 Um, IT kid that ran away from home. Yeah, that was actually did a lot for it. It, it. Now, just like P.T. Barnum said, I don't care what they say about me in the papers as long as they spell my name right. Dungeons and Dragons has also helped or been helped by this. The negative publicity in the 80s actually has helped it grow mm-hmm. as much as the positive and how fantastic the game has been off and on through the years. Now, there have been missteps. Everybody knows this. And it's well chronicled. Um, we had Michael Whitworth on here talking about it. Right. Yes. <laughs> I actually started as a kid, and I was about nine years old when I first started playing D&D. I had a couple of friends at school, and we would, I would not necessarily say we missed class. <laughs> That's bad. We don't do that. But we played a lot of it. And then as soon as my mother found out, she actually thought I was, you know, worshipping the other gods and stuff. Yes, of course. The lesser beings. And it's like, no. I'm a knight. I'm a mage. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, also, without Dungeons & Dragons, you wouldn't have things like we all figured out what our alignments are. Everybody knows what that means now. <laughs> that's true. Alignment get, get applied to every geek thing yes. and non-geek thing. It's amazing how much... Yeah, um, good. Raise the roof. <laughs> that's right. But, um, no, it's amazing looking at Dungeons & Dragons and the history of Dungeons & Dragons, um, how much that has translated in the pop culture and into the actual mainstream zeitgeist where like people you say something that's a Dungeons and Dragons term and at this point people who have never even picked up one die let alone a set of polyhedral die know what you're talking about <laughs> but that's a part of that is also because um, as we're getting re- I'm gonna have to actually wrap this up soon so that we can uh, talk to the kids but part of that is the fact that um, we've finally gotten to the place where geeks rule the world most of what is being put out on our media, on the radio, on the internet, and um, even it's getting into the governments and things now, we're geeks. They know, they watch the same stuff we do. Well, why do you think we have, um, what, about six or seven on broadcast television, we have six or seven superhero TV shows and fantasy TV shows. Mm-hmm. One of the most popular um, t- shows in the world right now is Game of Thrones. It's a fantasy dragon sword and sorcery TV show. That's because we're winning. <laughs> so, um, but with that, um, Geek Watch, I want to thank you guys for joining us. If you want to find Geek Watch One, you can always find us at geekwatchone.com. Uh, Email us at geekwatchone at gmail.com. Um, if you want to find out all the information for Connor the Cobb since we've been here, um, it's connorthecobb.com. And remember, Oddmall's coming up next month with oddmall.info. And then just remember no matter where you go, There you are. Hey, we're here with 
with Sean Patrick Fannin. I keep want to say Sean Michael, and then like you'll be a wrestler. Sorry, <laughs> I ain't doing no sweet chin music. <laughs> I love that you caught the reference. I am not. I am not limber enough for that right now. <laughs> well, we've been we're chilling here with Sean Patrick Fannin uh, after an amazing con on the cob. Um, awesome to be be able to hang out with you afterwards. And uh, so, did you have a good show? By virtue of the fact that my body is going to punish me for the next week, I can say, yeah, we're <laughs> it was a good show. It was, it was Saturday night. Well, it was Sunday after Saturday night at Con on the Cob. It's, yeah. 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 Uh, we, we, yeah, yeah. Somersaults in the kilt. I, I, I think there was mental damage done. There was certainly physical damage done. <laughs> but uh, the fact that I can do it, uh, I... I that was kind of awesome. I won't lie. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm, it has been remarked by a lot of people who hadn't seen me since last year. I'm healthier at 50 than I've been in my 20s and 30s and 40s. So, yeah, you're you've. Well, how much have you lost? Over 150 pounds. So yeah, because I looked, I'm like, yeah, that's not the same man that was here <laughs> last year. So. Yeah. That's what friend Rick was saying. You lost a person. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's been good. I, I think I, I think I, I drank enough for three people uh, over the last three days, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a really good journey. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I won't lie; it's kind of cool to walk in after you know, to see people you haven't seen in a year, and then they go like go nuts. And sometimes they don't. Even, if I hadn't been wearing my hat, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would even know who I was. Hey, I, I, I was that guy. Yeah, because I was like. <laughs> Hat that's bless. Sean's hat. Is Sean that Sean? Down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly serves as an inspiration. Thank you. It Thank really you. does. So and I, gotta, I, I do want to. I do want to plug that. He was asking me earlier what I'd like to plug. I do want to plug the fact the fact that uh, ours is a fairly sedentary set of hobbies, mm-hmm. um, and it's worth it to get unsedentary and uh, get out and do some stuff and and and, and try to treat yourself better because. Uh, 2016 has been one of those years where we've been, you know, losing a few more than we like, and yes. uh, way more. Um, but not, I mean, I don't mean just in general in the world, but I also mean uh, just amongst our tribe, right? Amongst our, right. our group, and I, I, I'd like to see a lot of us stay around longer. So yeah, that's a that's a thing. You know, hey, it's just uh, less carbs, more protein. Meat's good. Meat, 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 meat is good. <laughs> Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> well. Bacon. Bacon. Leaner stuff, but yeah. So, Sean, a lot of our listeners, um, they play role-playing games. They, um, they may have heard of Savage Worlds, but they may not know exactly who you are. So how did you – we know you're a game designer and mm-hmm. a writer. How did you get into this? So, uh, yes, I have dice older than many of you who are listening. Uh, <laughs> I started playing Dungeons & Dragons in 1977 when it pretty much first – I, that's, that's, that's my beloved is Corinne in the background, folks. She loves to say I was one, which makes me feel like a cradle robber, but that also makes me kind of feel kind of badass, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but uh, so 1977, I discovered Star Wars and Dungeons and & Dragons, which was very life-changing for, uh, for a middle schooler uh, in Cobb County, Georgia, of all places. And uh, I started building a world because there wasn't any worlds. There was a keep and there were some borderlands. And I didn't know what those lands they keep bordered on. And that's a hell of a D&D reference for those who, who know the old school. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started building a world which eventually became Shintar. Uh, and that's something that a lot of people, I think, know me for. is an epic high fantasy setting for Savage, uh, for, for Savage Worlds. But 
uh, that was 77. I do a lot of, I did a lot of writing and, and designing, but mostly from the amateur. I'm a game master and I didn't even know how, I had to teach myself at a dungeon master. So I took a very different approach, very action cinema and very, you know, novels approach as opposed to the, you know, the murder hobo dungeon thing. I hated dungeons. I've always hated dungeons. Sorry, folks, if you like dungeons, it's, there's no bad fun. It's just not my way. Right. So for me, it was about, you know, you know, the, the heroes on the hill and here comes the approaching hordes and, you know, we have to, to, work out you know we have to make the alliances to fight them and you know just the big epic stories right? right so that kind of informed my attitudes about it for a long time and then uh, funny enough I, I i went to west point of all things um i thought it was camelot it was an insane asylum run by the inmates for me um but uh, funny thing is i still was doing a lot of gaming and stuff like that and i was always writing and designing stuff but i never took it seriously as that would be a thing that i would pursue you know, professionally, and it, it wasn't until a few years later when my friends were like, "This is what you do, and you're this is what you're good at, and you do stuff that is easily as good as anything anybody's publishing." So you need to give it a shot. So I finally started, you know, doing some stuff, and I uh, did some gaming articles and stuff like that. And I started, I did a few free review things, but in but, you know, '86 and '87, and then I started getting paid for the first time. Scott Herring, really good guy, who's known as part of uh, the of, uh, of the Steve Jackson Games uh, family. Uh, at the time, he was doing uh, the Gamers magazine. So my first paid work was from Scott Herring. So it's kind of his fault, folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can blame him. Um, but uh, I did some articles for him for Gamers magazine, uh, or Gamer magazine, The Gamer Gamers. I don't remember. something. Ga- Gamer was in the title. Uh, <laughs> but then I, uh, I took a chance to make a pitch with the Hero Games guys. And this was uh, end of the third edition era, coming into the fourth edition era for Champions. champions. And uh, uh, I ended up – I actually – I pitched a book for an organization called the Final Reich, and they had just pulled Flight of the Valkyrie off the shelves because there was a whole anti-Jewish anti-defamation league thing, and it had been a story about going back in time and saving Hitler because some other hero had time-traveled to kill Hitler, and as it turned out, that was supposedly a mistake. And that apparently was not a happy-making thing. So it was one of the first modules ever pulled from the shelves for political reasons. Uh, So the guys were like, yeah, we can't touch Nazis right now. Do you have anything else? So I suddenly pulled out of my the vortex, if you will, uh, an idea for a thematic enemies book, uh, which became High Tech Enemies, which was my first solo book uh, for a role playing game. And then, so I did a lot of work for Champions. Did uh, got involved in some stuff for the Star Wars role playing game back in the first edition West End days. Okay. Did some stuff awesome. for for Shatter Zone, and I did. I started doing some stuff for the White Wolf guys, different lines that they were doing. And uh, that really just sort of got it kicking and going. Uh, I eventually uh, got tapped to write a book called The Fantasy Role-Playing Gamer's Bible, which was, you know, the tagline for that was anything anything and everything you want to know about gaming, but you you thought you'd be a geek if you asked. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea was to write it not only as a, a love letter to our culture for us, but also the kind of thing you get hand to your mom or, or some other, somebody who's not into gaming and they could actually read this and it would be an instruction manual that really explained what we were doing and why right. and how, how it worked. So. That uh, that was a, a milestone for my career. Um, I had all that time. I was planning on doing Shintar as a, as a hero system thing for Fantasy Hero, and then we started getting into fusion. So I started positioning it as it was going to be a, a fusion fantasy. Fusion was our attempt to try to take hero system and boil it down to something simpler. And then they melded it with another game, and it. It just didn't work. But I, Shine Tower went through a lot of iterations. I tried to actually do a D20 version, blah, blah, blah. And then Shane Hensley, uh, 
reaches out to me because I'm actually at this point I'm enough in the industry I'm on one of the major industry mailing lists and I put out a big thing about does anybody understand the basic foundation of how to design something for D20 because this is the days of the OGL and it, this is a kind of funny story uh, you're going to actually some of my more the stories I don't talk about as much um, cool that's what we try to do uh, so the OGL's uh, open game license, huge deal. And I'm looking at finally just, okay, I'll, I'll get on this bandwagon. And I decided I'd, I'd try to do a D20 version of Shine Jar. spent a year trying to get that to work. And I could not figure out the paradigms, the foundation math and the foundation ideas that I could then design stuff for. Because there's things that are important to the Shine Jar world that are just going to be, you know, just plug stuff out of D&D and use it. I wanted my own stuff. And I put out this long message on this mailing list that's got all the major designers. I mean, all the Watsi guys were on there and, and, and uh, all the publishers and writers and designers on this list. And I said, uh, you know, I've just gone through this process. I'm looking for the foundations. I'm under, can someone help me, please? And it was like the, the, the email list of, you know, waiting for, a, you know, hearing a pin drop because uh, – and hearing the crickets in the background because nobody's answering. Nobody's saying anything. And then all of a sudden um, – one of the guys, uh, media guy, says, that's one of the most cogent discussions of, of what it's like to try to design for D20. I've read in a while. Do you mind if I repost this? And I'm like, sure, fine. But that wasn't an essay. It was a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the really weird part was that the Mongoose guys, who were like the major third-party publisher for D20 at the time, uh-huh. contact me back channel saying, by the way, if you get an answer, would you mind sharing with us? Because we'd like to know that, too. I'm like, you guys are doing this. And he's like, yes, but we'd like some help. <laughs> so finally, Shane Hensley, who I've known for years, and he was a good friend, he, uh, says, I, well, I got something I want you to look at. So he uh, asked my address, and he sends me the core Savage Worlds rule book, uh, along with a couple of the things they published in that point. It was Evernight and uh, uh, 50 Fathoms. And uh, I, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is amazing. I was I just completely fell in love. I was able to do a viable player's guide for Shine Tar in six weeks. And I'd spent a year failing to do it in under OGL. So uh, I said, Shane, yes, I want to do this. So you know, what do I need to do to publish? And he says, no, 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 I'm not. I'm doing different kinds of things. I'm not really doing straight fantasy, but you have go. You do what you want with my blessings. So I became the first non-company walking license for Savage Worlds. <laughs> Korean likes to tell people there was a, you know, they would list you know licensees at the time and there were all these different companies, but it was just me, just my name, which has made it even more funny because the company's like, hey, Sean, come here. Uh, you, you are a licensee, so if you work with us, we'll have access to the license. Uh, so that's uh, what led to me being able to do Shine Tar, uh, and that, kinda, that, that, that was a, a, a kind of a big deal. And then uh, I guess the most recent stuff that people know me for, uh, I worked on – the core uh, new Star Wars role-playing game by Fantasy Flight. I was on the team for that. I worked both on uh, Edge of the Empire, and I also worked on uh, Age of Rebellion. And uh, that's been interesting because they kind of wiped the the extended universe away right mm, when Disney right. took over. But Fantasy Flight stuff has the Disney logos on the book. Anything that they did, anything that I wrote, and anything that we wrote for that stuff is still canon. And I was from scratch designing and writing up and determining what the Carillion sector was and is. Oh, so I'm man. defining. I'm defining. I, I was one of the guys who defined the place that Han Solo came from and Wedge Antilles came from. And I'm like, and that my stuff's canon. So that was kind of cool. I just wish I'd made more money at it. But you know, it's, <laughs> you take what you get. Um, uh, 
I, through the course of my history, not just writing and designing, um, a lot of people know that I worked for Gamma, Gamma Manufacturer Association. That's actually how I know a lot of you guys, because I was down in Columbus at the time. <laughs> and uh, I was working for Gamma and helping run Origins. That's how I met Andy. That's how I got involved with uh, Con on the Cobb, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, was, it was my work with that as events coordinator, communications associate. And uh, during that time, I, I, I got connected with a lot of the business-oriented kind of stuff. I eventually also went to work for DriveThru RPG as a marketing, communica- marketing communications guy for them. So I've had a chance to to do that kind of work as well. And Corinne, uh, my belovedest, uh, is also a guest here and is our editor-in-chief at Evil Beagle. She's also customer service for DriveThru RPG and RPG Now. So a lot of inter- interconnectedness, interconnectedness there. And uh, during my time with DriveThru, I got a chance to go and talk to Kevin Savita because I was trying to convince him to get Palladium books up on DriveThru. I finally get him into digital distribution, and I succeeded. I showed him the numbers, showed him how to do it. And I said, well, Kevin, while well, I have you in a good mood, uh, and I made the pitch to do Savage Riffs. And uh, to the surprise of everyone, including myself, he was all on board. Thought it was a great idea. Um, and eventually we got together. Shane was like, well, this is a big deal. We need to do this straight through Pinnacle. So he brought me on board as the, as the brand manager for that project. Uh, Ross Watson is the developer. Corinne's been the editor on that, along with Jody Black. And Savage Riffs, I think... I think it's fair to say a lot of people have heard about that one. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we had a very successful Kickstarter. I've just delivered the last of the things that were supposed to be delivered for that Kickstarter. And, yes, there will be some more books. Uh, We're we're talking about that. Um, In the meantime, I've got – I'm sorry. You guys just let me roll on here. No, no, no. No, no, we're getting great stuff, so, yeah, go for it. Yeah, we're enjoying the well, just uh, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and finish the was saying that now I've got Evil Beagle and I'm going to be working on a savage setting for a game called Venom Assault. Venom Assault uh, is a board game. It's a cooperative deck building board game done by Spyglass Games, and I, they're they're out of Denver. And we've met, and I love hanging out with them, and I love this game. And I'm a GI Joe fan from way back, and this game oh. is a love letter to GI Joe. Oh wait. Yeah, oh he wow! Does have goosebumps? I, dude, you just gave me you goosebumps. Joe. Oh, there you go. So, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Now you you give us more Yeah, yeah. Come okay. on, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. That's cool. So, I, like I said, I go back to uh, for me the comics were more important than the the red lasers and blue lasers. Yes. Um. So, but the the idea basically is you know I'm, obviously I can't get access to the GI Joe license, but these guys did this brilliant homage. Like I said, you you got to see it. I've got some art, and I can show you guys later. Um, and it's uh, it's the classic you know, cool outfits and code names and uh, all that. But the world building is kind of interesting too because it's it's not the GI Joe world. It's post World War Three and reconfigured and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I was really fascinated by that. I said this has got that aspect of GI Joe, but it's got some really new inter- elements as well. Side note: There's a character in the name Corporal Carnage that uses the likeness of Sergeant Slaughter. But they couldn't call him Sergeant Slaughter. But the guy who plays Sergeant Slaughter gave permission for that likeness. Oh, cool! Nice. So that that was uh, one more connection to all that. But um, uh, I will be doing the setting book for that. It will be a Savage World setting book uh, where you can play characters in that universe. You can do your and I've got a whole thing where I'm going to set it up where you start out as a recruit from somewhere around the world, and then you play for the first 20 experience points as a commando, and then when you reach seasoned. That's when you get to get your code name. That's when you get to do your cool outfit. That's when you get all your cool stuff. So why don't you just drop the mic right now? I'm just like, oh, my. Poot. There's the I, I'm, oh. He's hey, happy. I can't, I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I made the man happy. Yes. So that's cool. 
Kylan is into um, starting with Pulp, but all the way through G.I. Joe from the beginning. Um, even he's reading the G.I. Joe fans things you can get on Kindle. Oh, wow. Cool. There's a, yeah, there's a, uh, there's, there's a, uh, a series out there that follows the adventure team. So it's mm-hmm. Joe Colton. You remember the adventure from the, team. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I know what and, you're talking about. And so that was like some really fun stuff. And... But yeah, like for me, I was more about the comics than the red and blue lasers. So have you just, have you been seeing the new stuff they've done with Revolution at IDW where they've combined it all? No, I, I have. I, I got issue one mm-hmm. last week, and so I'm trying to decide exactly how deep I want to go because yeah. I want to get all the things. I know I I really can't get all the things. Yeah, I've already fallen down in that hole. I know what you mean. You know, so like I'm loving the idea of Mask and GI Joe together. Yeah, they made rumors. Miles Mayhem a member of the original Adventure Team. I know, see, I, I don't know how I feel. I didn't know. They I don't did know how that. to feel about that either. They, they made Miles. May- oh, I don't Miles know how I feel Mayhem about that. was on the original Joe Colton Adventure Team in, in the redone history. It's really weird, man. Yeah, we're totally nerding out here, folks. If you don't know what we're talking about, this is deep GI Joe history. Like, see, well, this is what we do on Geek Watch One. See, All right, there you go. Because I, I, I don't know. Because you would think that Joe Colton. Would have vetted his men so that apparently Miles Mayhem would not have gotten in there. Well, apparently the way they're setting him up. Uh-huh. Okay, we're way off tangent here, but the way they were setting him up is that he wasn't like that. He became like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm finding out too, man. I'm, I'm in there finding out too. Oh, see, okay, so that's two. I almost books. picked up a couple of these when I was at the shop. See, uh, see now, okay, so I, I was I was committed to mask, right, rom. Micronauts. Micronauts. And I was trying to like, I, I, now I said, do I want G.I. Joe? I said, because if I get G.I. Joe, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to have to go ahead and get Transformers. Yeah. Well, Crap, you, that's like all of them. Let me, let me, let me turn it around though. Uh, I, I, uh, we got to stay in touch because I'd be very interested in having you as one of the early readers and or early participants in what I got going on and see what you think of the, of the Freedom Squadron stuff. I, I would be honored. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely hook that up. So awesome. that's, that's one of the projects I'm actually delving into right now. And uh, another major project that I'm working on uh, with Len Pimentel, Lakeside Games, partnership with uh, Evil Beagle. Uh, is uh, he's got a, a game out, and you can get the current edition out uh, for, uh, for for I think it's pay what you want. Uh, it's called Prow- Prowlers and Paragons. However, I will also say that we have done a massive update on that. So the Prowlers and Paragons Ultimate Edition, it's a superhero game system that is a. I love using the, the love letter concept because it really is a lot of, lot of homage work here. Prowlers and Paragons is a, a wonderful love letter to the feel and essence of champions, but way, way easier, way simpler. But you're still rolling giant handfuls of six-sided dice. That's the best part. Um, but uh, you're just—it's uh, the design elements in there are, are brilliant. His core ideas were fantastic. It was a great joy to work on that with him. And uh, on top of that, I have a couple of superhero settings I'm working on. Uh, one's called Modern Gods, which is a callback to the work I did on Champions Continuity during the fourth edition. You know, so a lot of file, a lot of the names uh, filed off, the serial numbers filed off. But you can see classic, famous characters from 4th edition Champions continuity era, redone, reskinned, uh, but still recognizable. And, and a lot of the ideas I had about creating an internally consistent superhero universe that I really wanted to do, because I'm a big fan of, of, of having a believable, not realistic, but believable universe with internal consistency in the way right. things work. So that's going to come out with Modern Gods. And parallel to that, and actually, I mean that literally parallel, parallel universe, so interconnected with shared you know, stuff and shared stories will be the Unending War universe, uh, which is Golden Age meets Dieselpunk. 
So going to have a lot of fun with that. Now you just hit his other fandom that he's on <laughs> are huge in um, steampunk, which is the little or the next door neighbor to diesel punk as it is. Yeah. So I'm. See, all this time, these couple years you've been coming to Con of the Cobb now, you didn't realize what you had, the resource you had sitting here. I'm I'm like, you know, I said, you know, he's busy, and, you know, he's Sean Patrick fan, and I don't want to bother him. Give me a freaking break. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. I can't can't even right now. We could have totally geeked out. Now I'll have to to catch up on a lot of geeking out together. Oh, my, yeah. Yeah, if I was, I would glad, I would, I should be the owner of how to, the the complete idiot's guide of how to even, because I can't right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, I I look forward to sharing this stuff with you. It'll be, it'll be be some fun stuff. I'm actually thinking about setting up a Patreon uh, when I get back, which will be a a great great way for people to get in and and have some early access to the stuff and give me some good feedback. So keep an eye out for that. And, uh, I'm also uh, I'm a, a correspondent for EN World, um, which is a, 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 a international online you know net internet news uh, and, and, and information gaming site, uh, and I do Sean's Pick of the Day, uh, which is you know where I talk about I pick a, a game every day that uh, you know, people should hear about things like that. So I'm, that's all the kind of stuff I'm working on these days. So I okay. guess that's a, that's the full tour of what you know Sean the gamer dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great because I've known you for years now. Yeah. Because we've been Vicky and I've been coming to Con of the Cobb um, from the old hotel, the new hotel, um, through the really terrible year where we didn't have you. And um, that's very kind of you say. <laughs> but um, what do you do now that we're at the new hotel here? And Con of the Cobb's over. We really haven't had a wrap up for Con of the Cobb, really. But no. let's get your how was Con of the Cobb this year for you? It was homecoming. It's it's a homecoming every year. Um, I, as I said, it's 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 a family reunion for me. I, I go to a lot of cons, like I said at the closing ceremonies. I, I'm hitting somewhere between ten and fourteen cons a year these days. So I have a lot of history with conventions, but for me, this one is different because it is a a homecoming and or a, a family reunion kind of thing. So the vibe is just totally different. I mean, we're doing convention things, but we're all doing it with uh, people we brand new don't even know. They still feel like they're part of the family here, and mm-hmm. that's that's a vibe I just can't. I don't. You don't find it anyplace else. Yeah. It's truly spectacular. And, uh, of course, you know, the parties, let's face it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're sitting here in 307, uh, which uh, is the traditional uh, Savage Saturday Night. It's, by the way, there's a new name for it. Okay. Um, and I, I don't have my phone. I can't look up his name. But I think it's uh, – oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I'll have to post this out somewhere. Maybe put okay. a show notes or like that. But oh. there was somebody who contributed to it. He's another podcaster, as a matter of fact. And I'm so tired. I'm drawing a blank. But he donated the most money. And we had a contest. It used to be Savage Saturday Night Bar and Grill. And that's because Tim Hannon and – we used to call the Dirty Dirty Grill and Sauce Gang would come down from Buffalo, New York, and we'd actually set a grill up in the parking lot. I know you remember yes, that. Yes, I remember these. With Ted's, you know, in the in the casing hot dogs and Ted's hot dog sauce, and they would grill it up, and we'd actually bring them in from the parking lot. Sometimes it was snowing, you know, and then we'd, they'd come in, and we'd have the hot dogs and hot dog sauce, and we'd also have the incredible bar. Well, we can't go to the bar and grill anymore. It's just not really practical. So I, I put up as a contest that the person who gave us the biggest tip or the biggest donation for the party could rename that last thing. So Savage Saturday Night Bar and blank. Well, as of now, it is now officially the Savage Saturday Night Bar and Chill. And that really works yeah. because yeah. this now our party has always been that. And we, we this year was the best because you had the Barfleet party, fantastic. Oh, I hurt myself so bad dancing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. and yes, again, I apologize to everybody who was around for the somersaults in the kilt. That was... <laughs> Because I did wear the kilt proper, and therefore it was totally improper. Um, but, uh, 
but that was some good times. And then the Road Cthulhu guys had their fantastic oh, party yeah. too. So it was great to be able to rotate through that. So uh, I, I, I just, uh, it's been one of those years, right? I've had a good year personally in yeah. a lot of ways, but it's been a rough year in a lot of ways. And uh, we needed this, all of us. Oh, I think yeah. this was special and powerful for all of us. Awesome. I, you know, and I'm not one to listen to other people's conversations, but I heard you and Andy walking down the hall, and I heard you say, in, it, was, it was in mid-conversation, and you said, you said, and so I told this guy, you don't come to Con and Cobb to make money. You come to Con and Cobb for the people, and that's what it's about. And I just sat there, and I was just like, Huh. Yeah. You know, and and, and just like you said, you know, in the closing ceremonies, how you now this is a family, mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's odd, but it's it's true to me that when we have when we have our opening ceremonies, the meet and greet, and we you know and there were so many people, and there, it was our first time. I'm just like, oh, welcome to the party, you know. Yes. And, it, and it, there's like no strangers here. Mm-hmm. No. Fantastic. We did a LARP in this room. I ended up with a bunch of people that I did not know, but I knew they were friends of people I adored. And that made it instantaneously possible for us to play these characters and and be close. And by the time the night was over, we were all best friends. I've said for many years that Con of the Cobb is big enough that um, it's a mid-sized con. It's six to 800 people, Mm -hmm. but it's still small enough that you pretty much know everybody, if not by name, by face by the time you're done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's well worth it. Uh, if anybody's listening to this um, and you're thinking, well, I'd like to check out one of these conventions someday. If you're not making Con on the Cob on your list, you've, you've made a mistake. Exactly. Um, I think we're at a good place to probably call this for today. Uh, we're I, definitely going to have you at least next year, if not sometime in between. Next time you got something coming out, let us know. We'll Skype right. it up and get you on here. I'm happy to talk to you guys anytime. I think, I, I think we're going to have to. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to have to. I think Kyle and I are going to have to uh, uh, get together and start talking about this stuff. So uh, let's, let's, let's plan on that. Yeah, okay. Yes. So for the listeners, how can they actually get a hold of you and find you if they want to talk to you or they want to send you some emails or any other way to contact you well we we all anybody who knows me knows i'm shameless so i'm really my life is an open book and yes, i'm out there I'm your the, stuff i'm the only sean patrick fannin on facebook so that's a good place to keep up with me uh, friend me on facebook and uh you'll you I, everything i got going on i talk about on facebook frequently i'm also very much uh, on, on it's okay incessantly thank you honey um and many uh, times live <laughs> yes i've been i've started getting into facebook live it's a, what a great piece of technology that is i don't know why they let me have it so um, also G+. I'm on G+. I, I frequently post on uh, the, the G+, role-playing games uh, and uh, the role-playing games forums there. Um, I do. There is the Sean's Pick of the Day site, but uh, I've kind of been transferring a little bit. I, I'm making some transitions there, and I'm, I'm doing a lot more on Ian World. Uh, so Ian World's a good place to keep up with all the stuff that I, I publish. But anyway, like I said, Facebook is probably the best place if you're on Facebook or G+. And... Oh, well, thank you, sweetie. Yeah, the, the, the smart one of the family. Uh, EvilBeagleGames.com. We've actually we've gotten very uh, thankfully. Thank you, Ross. Ross Watson, who's our partner at Evil Beagle. And by the way, he's another guy you want to talk to, especially he, he's, uh, he's one of the world's leading experts on the Warhammer 40K universe. And okay. He, he does a lot of work and writing for people on that. Uh, and he was actually in charge of the Warhammer 40K ro- role-playing stuff coming out of Final Seed for a long time. 
Um, but he's the guy who's resurrected our site, and it's actually you know active and vital again. We have I, I, I'd, I'd be very remiss if I did not point out uh, that we have the Michael Serbrooks Presents line of products that we're doing. Michael Serbrook is a very great writer and, and designer. He was the lead guy who did the revised Strike Force book, which Evil Beagle was partnered in, in doing. Uh, we're very proud of that. That's the Aaron Alston uh, book that was very famous in the 80s that kind of taught us how to do campaigns. And we had a lot of really great people. Steve Kenson uh, and myself did some stuff on that. Ross did some stuff on that. But Michael did a lot of the work, and it was all based on Aaron Alston's original stuff and notes uh, that he had for the book if he was going to do a second edition. So, And that just came out. In phys- we just got the physical book in for that, and it's gorgeous. And, and, and so I'm very proud of that. So evilbeaglegames.com our tagline is bad dog good games so. okay <laughs> so we got evilbeaglegames.com where else can people find your products if they, to buy you what you've done uh, well drive through RPG uh, okay. is uh, definitely a place our Pinnacle Entertainment actually has a direct site for all the Savage Rift stuff as well so um, you know that's yeah, there you go. Those are the two places. Awesome. So the, we're not going to say this is the end of the interview because this is going to continue on forever. You're part of the family. You know that. Thank you. We love you. You love – everybody loves I Kyle love you Kyle. guys. I really do. Do you have anything else, Kylan? I, I, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't even. you and I just going to He can't even. You've been the silent part of Geek Watch 1 for years. Now you're finally actually part Thank of the you. show. Thank you. Looking forward to it. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Okay. So Geeksters – um, from the final sign-off from Connor the Cobb, we'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>